Welcome to the Abode Church Podcast. The Abode Church is a group of house churches made up of believers who are coming together to become people who abide in Jesus. I am your host, Josh Nutri, and I am super excited to be with you today. Guys, welcome to episode one. It's going to be a bit longer than normal, but hang in there. It's going to be an amazing time. Y'all are in for a treat. Joining me is Austin Rumpel, who began the Abode Church in Houston a couple of years ago. Since then, the Abode has grown to having locations now in Dallas as well as Malawi. Austin is a longtime friend of mine. We grew up together, and we are going to be talking with him and some of the challenges he has faced growing up in a Christian home and beginning the Abode and his testimony and God's faithfulness to him along the way. After that, I will have a short Devo that I hope will be able to bless you guys. But without any further ado, let's jump into our interview with Austin. All right, Austin, if you would introduce yourself to anyone who may not know you, who are you? Gosh, well, as uh, Josh said, my name is Austin, and um, I'm not the best at describing myself, but I I love things like playing basketball or different kind of sports. I love backpacking and being outside. Uh, actually, one of my favorite things to do is is once or twice a year um, I'll lead backpacking trips with with people through the Colorado wilderness and and just talk about Jesus and enjoy the outdoors with them I love hanging out with friends I love worshiping and seeking Jesus um, one of my favorite things to do is writing and then I've also been married to my best friend Anna for the past two and a half years awesome as we hear about you it's clear your heart for Jesus. Tell us about your testimony. Tell us how you came to know Jesus and your faith journey up until this point. Yeah, sure. I uh, I grew up Christian, and you know that because we kind of grew up together um, during a lot of our, our childhood and youth. But I grew up Christian, and just to be honest, I didn't take it seriously. I think I remember accepting God for the first time in third grade or something like that. It was just something that my family did. And I remember it being just something I didn't take seriously and probably until probably about 10th grade. But actually, we went to the same church camp. It was, there was a church camp on the beach. There was a specific night that I remember very clearly where we were on the beach. Stars were out. We could hear the waves crashing. And there was just acoustic worship going on. I remember just wrestling with a lot of things emotionally. And internally at that time, and I, I very clearly heard a voice inside me say that I have a purpose for you, something something better than you can imagine. And it was at that moment that I heard that voice. I, I felt the presence of something that I hadn't felt before. It was at that moment that I first experienced God. And that, it was amazing. That just kind of changed the path of my life from that point forward just started taking my faith very seriously and started a small group, started going to church more often. And when I was at church, I took it really seriously. Unfortunately, what I did though was I I had that encounter with the Lord and I didn't necessarily know how to or, or was encouraged to pursue Him. So I subconsciously attached to more of a religious system, more of church and, and how things are done than, than Jesus himself. And I, I continued to do that for probably two or three years. 
and I ended up going to a Christian college. Just during the course of that, I became very disillusioned with my faith, specifically with Christians. As funny as that is, I saw a lot of hypocrisy and was frustrated with kind of the disconnect between these ideas of God and real life. That disillusionment kind of led to me, well actually not kind of, it definitely led to me walking away from my faith as a whole. I remember very specifically a time where I was just like, I don't believe in God anymore. And it, it wasn't just like I woke up one morning and I thought that it was a process of getting there. And it was just me being very real with what I believed and felt at the time and saw. It was it was actually really neat because in the midst of that, uh, which really the midst of that was me just being very honest and, and real with what was going on inside of me. In the midst of that mess, God met me. And it wasn't, I was kind of hoping for, you know, some great Christian man or leader to come and tell me and give me all the answers that I was seeking, but it was very different. It was the Spirit of God himself coming to meet me, kind of like he did on the beach in 10th grade. He met me and spoke to me and ministered to my heart. And it was at that point that he invited me to follow him personally. I just kind of felt that invitation and conviction from that point forward to put aside Christianity as a religion and see it as the pursuit of God as a person. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I don't think we've ever discussed this before. Like you mentioned, we grew up together um, in church and in youth group. Right before we started becoming close as a friend or as friends, I lost one of my best friends who I grew up in church with to a car wreck, and that caused a lot of anger and bitter resentment in me towards God as well. So like you, I grew up in a Christian home with Christian values and just did what everyone else did. When I lost Jonathan in that car wreck, that really wrecked me personally. Funnily enough, it was that same beach camp after our sophomore year, and I remember that night on the beach distinctly, both myself and one of my best friends who was there went up to our cabin leader and wanted to pray with him. That was really the beginning of me seriously taking my faith personally wow. and growing in Christ. So it's really interesting how that same night was such an impactful moment for both of us. And I also find it interesting how that wasn't the beginning of just this perfect Christian life. Right. Like you mentioned, you, you went through some struggles and I did the same thing. How did you find yourself combating the hypocrisy of Christians? Because having gone to a Christian college, I felt the same way in myself. It really bothered me. Um, I saw some Christians who seemed perfect, and so I was comparing myself to them, and that was hard. But then on the other end, I saw these people who claimed themselves to be Christians, and the way they lived their life just really irked me. And so I was being pulled, and I had another faith crisis similar in college that I had to work through. So how did you get through that? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say the best the best answer would be at first, I just was like, I want nothing to do with this. Me working through that just led me to say, if kind of like in my heart, I was like, if this is what God is like, I don't want anything to do with God. I remember actually very specifically saying, in my heart, and I think I even wrote it like in my journal, that if God is is like this, if God is a tyrant, I won't follow him. 
So that would be my response. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, for me, it was me thinking back to who I was before I really encountered God at beach camp that year and remembering how broken I was and the fact that I'm still broken and remembering the grace that God showed me and remembering that I'm called to love others and to show others that same level of grace. But it's just interesting how we had such similar paths growing up and very similar journeys, and we came apart for some time before um, we reconnected, right. but yet our faith journey seemed to cover yeah. and follow a pretty similar path. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and just kind of since that point, I don't know if, I think I would say that my faith hasn't necessarily fit into a box. My faith in my relationship with Jesus really began to get real kind of the summer after that. So this this season of, of doubt and just getting real with God kind of happened in the early spring of 2014. And in the summer of 2014, I had this incredible opportunity to go to California to be a camp counselor and a backpack guide at a camp. It was a really incredible opportunity mainly because the community there was just, it was fantastic. I, I honestly, growing up, I, I struggled with community. I'm not really sure why. Though. The small groups that we had in high school were great, but I, I struggled with finding a group of people that were just authentic about Jesus. And when I, when I came to this camp, the people there, I never met people so real. Um, I never met people with such authentic and tangible joy and kindness and just during that summer something awoke in me it was it was kind of like i saw christian life being walked out for the first time yeah it's interesting i was actually listening to a sermon earlier today that spoke on this kind of idea and the pastor was talking about is that living a life of transparency is one where we live our lives openly to be seen by others in comparison to like a life of honesty where we only tell the truth when we're asked of it and I think that that's something we so often do is we live our lives honestly but not transparently right and when you find yourself in that kind of community the freedom right. that you find in it is incredible yeah and it was something else it was just a season of me being able to be me and be accepted by myself and it was it was the first time that a lot of parts of myself that I didn't know were there came out because the people there loved me in that midst. And, and uh, it, was also, it was also a really cool season that summer because prior to that point, a lot of my Christianity was in my head. Um, so I mentioned at the beach camp, I had that encounter with the Lord. And then in that spring, I had a similar kind of encounter where God met me in my doubt and in my unbelief. Well, this summer, um, I the Lord allowed me to connect some dots. So I, I came to this camp, and the people there were very authentic, and I would say that they were walking in a really good example of worshiping in spirit and truth. And I came worshiping in truth. I don't know if that makes sense, but just kind of living my life all through my head and not connecting to the spirit and the heart of God. And so I there was a specific guy named Wesley who's now one of my good friends and somebody who kind of mentors me. And we would have discussions. He would kind of share some encounters and some things that the Holy Spirit had done in his life and through his life. 
and I would honestly argue back with him, trying to prove my specific beliefs and kind of what I had been taught against those things. And he later told me that normally it's not something he did, but he felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to engage in those discussions with me because he felt that the Lord was trying to do something in my heart, and he was. What ended up being crazy, I don't know if it was cool, because uh, it was not the best experience, but it definitely opened my mind up, was that near the end of that summer, I remember just, despite the community being amazing, there was still a lot of junk inside of me. And I had some beliefs inside of me that I was just not accepted by people, that I was rejected, that I wasn't worthy of being loved. And I was really, there was a specific night that I was really feeling this. And uh, I remember going to him and sharing kind of how I was feeling with him. And he shared with me uh, just a dream he had, two dreams that he had. One of them he shared with me was actually a dream that I had when I was a child. It, was, it wasn't a dream, it was a nightmare. And it was literally the exact dream that I had as a child. And it was something that was really weird. So the fact that he had that dream was crazy. In that moment, and, and the thing about those nightmares when I was a child was I would wake up from them and be unable to move. I would like be in my bed and be frozen. And it was the most horrifying thing in the world to me. In that moment, I just felt this spirit of fear come over me really heavy. And he saw it. Like I was sitting, we were both sitting on a bed. And I just started crying at that moment after he described that dream to me. I just started crying because I was afraid. And, and that's not like me. I'm normally not like someone who's intimidated or afraid very often. So it was weird. And he, he immediately saw that something was wrong. And he asked me and I told him. He started praying for me. Uh, he just started praying that whatever was going on would leave. And it just kept getting worse and worse. And, okay, and then he had me close my eyes, and I closed my eyes, and he said, Lord, I just ask in Jesus' name that you reveal whatever is going on right now. And in that moment, I got pushed back up against the wall, and I saw, with my eyes closed, so I, it, was, it was in my imagination, um, but I saw a face, like the face of like, kind of like a beast, jump at me and try to bite at me, kind of trying to bite at my face. And it was in that moment that I was pushed up against the wall. And I opened my eyes in shock. And he opened his eyes in shock. And he described to me exactly what I saw before I told him anything. Um, now, that story is it's a little strange, I guess. But what, what it did was it opened my eyes to Christianity and life and being more than just being in my head, as I had thought prior to. Yeah, it's, it's crazy because when we think of Christianity, we think in America, we just write all of it off as mental illnesses. And right. we... We like to think in truth right. because that's how our culture functions. Right. Whereas in history of Christianity as well as Christianity and the rest of the world, it's so much more focused in the supernatural right. and the fact that there is something more going on. Like Paul talks about, you know, we're not at war with flesh and blood, but spiritual matter. And yep. so there's, it's so important for us in American Christianity, like you mentioned earlier from the book of John, is that we worship in spirit and truth. We live a life of both spirit and of truth. Right. Yeah, and, and I I had no idea, just to be honest. I had no idea. I, I was super prideful about it, too. I, was, I thought that I knew it, and I was not open at all to there being anything else. So this was like, I think that the Lord allowed that to happen, and it couldn't have been a bigger blessing because it softened my heart 
to me seeing Jesus as he was. And, and what's amazing is the Lord was, he was loving me during that time so much. My friend Wesley walked so patiently and gently with me through that. The timing was amazing because two days later, my sister was on a backpacking trip in Montana. She called me, right? One or two days prior to that, so around very close to the same time, she and her friends had been worshiping at this backpacking trip. It was just a normal night of worship, nothing special about it. And the Holy Spirit came very heavily in that room when they were worshiping. Herself and some of her friends all, I'll say, they became overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. And they all, they heard angels singing behind them. They received visions from the Lord. Just from that point, her life was completely and radically changed. The way that she described it to me and the timing of it was amazing. And I was just kind of like in shock because all of these things, this whole new world was open to me. And it was like the Bible became real all in a matter of six months. It was amazing. And my heart was like, my heart was like, uh, like on the clouds, just like flying. And so that, that summer was awesome. It was amazing. I, I actually went from that summer, I went back to the Christian university that I was at. And I had always, so I love basketball, kind of like I mentioned originally. And I always wanted to play college basketball, but I, I didn't play basketball in high school. I just kind of picked it up near the very end of my high school career. Just kind of something that I played for fun. But I worked almost every single day while I was in college playing uh, just with kind of the hopes to walk onto a small college basketball team. And, and at the end of that summer, I had been reaching out to some small Christian schools. And I actually had the opportunity to go to Wisconsin to play a, uh, it's kind of, it was like similar to Division Three college basketball for a season. It was an interesting season because basketball ended up not being as great as I thought it was. I kind of realized in that moment that I had made it a little bit of an idol. I, I put some hope into it to satisfy my heart. But the reason that I mention it as part of my testimony is because that season in Wisconsin, which is where the school was, it was very, I was kind of in a place that was spiritually dry. So Cal, when I was in California, I was around some, these amazing people. I was introduced to, to Jesus in a way I never had been before. And immediately after that, I went to Wisconsin. And the school that I was at, the best way to just, that I can think of to describe it is just they were spiritually dry. I think the, the Trinity kind of felt more like the Father, the Son, and the Bible rather than the Holy Spirit. So it was tough. I felt very alone. Um, I had just experienced these things with the Lord. The Lord had just shown me these things. Everyone there seemed pretty opposed to what God had shown me and to the things that I was saying. So it was a journey where the Lord taught me to depend on Him. And there was a couple things, cool things that happened. I, I had struggled with an addiction to pornography and a sexual, personal sexual addiction up to that point. And I had tried things like accountability. I had apps on my phone where my friends would be able to track what was, what was going on. I had tried different programs. I had read you know, articles. I had shared things with my mentors. I'd gotten people to pray for me. You know, I, I tried all of these things, and none of that had worked. But I, I desperately wanted to stop. And it was, was in Wisconsin, by myself, with Jesus, where I had an encounter with the love of God. It was specifically, I don't know why I say like specifically the love of God, but I just know it was. Like In the moment, I felt the love of God. Just this incredible, it was like warmth. But it was, it was more than just a warm, fuzzy feeling. It was in my soul, like in, in my heart of hearts. 
I felt alive. I felt peace and joy. And the desire to do those things, not only was the desire gone, but I didn't need to. In the past, I had needed to do those things in order to just kind of survive and get through the day. That that season was that season was really good. It, it, I went from being introduced to Jesus to depending on Jesus. And and since that point, you know, I'm back in Houston now. We've we've been here for several years. Since that point, it's been kind of me learning to connect the dots of, of truth and spirit and walking in a balance of the two because it's easy to lean one lean too far one way or too far the other. I would just say right now I'm kind of in a place of learning to bring the kingdom of God to people. Yeah, I think it's important that we we are living our lives constantly learning and drawing closer, realizing that we've never fully gotten to the place where, where Christ has called us. We're to continue growing in him as long as we're alive. And so I think it's important for us to realize that the word disciple literally means students. Yeah. And so yeah. the best leaders, the best followers are the ones who willingly sit at the feet of Jesus oh, yeah. to learn yeah. and to love. Yeah, one of my favorite pictures in the Gospels is, is Mary Magdalene sitting at, or I don't know if it's Mary Magdalene or not, but Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. And I just, I think that that is a posture that all Christians, that we should hope to, you know, assume that posture at all times. So I, I fully agree with you. Yeah. Awesome. So tell us, we're here on the Abode podcast, and you, you're the one who began all this. What was the purpose, the heart behind it? What led you to start the Abode? Uh, well, in high school, as you know, we, we led a, a Bible study in high school. Yeah. At first, I thought it was just a small group. You know, they just met once a week. But even even back in high school, I remember getting visions, and I didn't know that that's what they were at that point. I thought it was just kind of my ambition. But I remember getting visions and pictures of small groups all across the world. Um, and it, it was something in my heart that I was super excited about, and I didn't really know why. And, you know, after high school, kind of like I mentioned, there was that season of struggle and season of learning and growing. And so I didn't do anything like that for a while. I didn't lead any groups or anything like that for a while. But kind of like when, when I moved back to Houston, I felt the Lord say in my heart, okay, Austin, it's time. It's time to go ahead and, and, and start this, this group again, this, this vision that I gave you a long time ago. And, and since that point, it's been, it's been a process. So we kind of on and off just had different meetings up until August of 2016. And then August of 2016 is... Kind of when we officially started, and we we met for about a full year until fall of 2017. And 2017, we took a break for three months because my wife and I traveled to to Reading for a little while to to do some studying and, and learning in a really cool community. And when we came back that spring, we went ahead and started up again, and it's been going since then. Awesome. Yeah, I know that, like you mentioned, I also was in that high school group with you that we that we kind of ran and we did teaching and worship in, and it was a great community, and I realized that when I graduated high school and left, I needed to find that again, and so my wife and I found that, especially after we got married in Abilene, but then when I graduated college and I moved to East Texas to pastor, uh, we were lacking that community in our age group. I guess hindsight is 2020, but it really was us moving back here 
that we realized that we were beginning to run on empty hmm. um, because we weren't surrounded in that community like yeah. you were talking about through being in Wisconsin and some of these places where you just felt alone. Right. Um, we were starting to find that as well. And yeah, you know, we had Jesus and we had each other, uh, but we were called to live as a body. Yeah, and absolutely. the body, I mean, if I cut my thumb off... <laughs> I mean, my body would continue, but my thumb doesn't really live without me. Right. Um, and so we just kind of felt ourselves in that stage. And so these last couple of months being back with this community has just been life-giving for us. Wow, that's awesome. So what, for you, starting the abode, what is the biggest struggle you faced with that? It's, a, it's like you mentioned, it's with the ambition and the goal and the dream, like you feel from God to this to be something worldwide. Right. That's a big dream. That yeah. is that's a huge goal. Yeah. And it's bound to be um, just riddled with struggles. What are some of the major things you found facing the abode? Yeah. Well, uh, that's a good question. I would say the first would be kind of a more more personal struggle with unbelief. As much as the Lord has shown me and ministered to me, there's still times and days where I struggle with unbelief. That's something that it's just like a giant. And like David and Goliath, I feel like it's Goliath. It's something that the Lord repeatedly shows me is something I need to have childlike faith to walk in victory over. I need to lay down my understanding and just trust Him as a child would. And uh, I, I would say the other is just discouragement. Um, there's been multiple times, and I've only been doing this for like two and a half, three years, but there's been multiple times where I've wanted to quit. And, you know, that could be from me feeling insecure, me feeling that, you know, people don't really want to be there, or there's something wrong with me, or feeling alone. But through that, the Lord, the Lord is super, I think the Lord is more passionate about church. Well, I, I know the Lord is more passionate about church than I am. This is one of the multiple ways that church can be done. And in those moments of discouragement, the Lord, he gives me his passion. He gives me his desire to do this. So I go from feeling discouraged to just feeling his passion. And, and if he's passionate about it, if, he's, if he gives me a picture that I know he's going to be faithful to provide for me. Yeah, I think that one of my favorite verses, funnily enough, um, these last couple of years has been John twenty twenty seven. Um, we like to call Thomas doubting Thomas, yeah. But I think he was honest, Thomas. Yeah, that's know? good. These disciples like, hey, we saw Jesus, and Thomas is like, um, I saw Jesus dead on the cross. Right. People don't usually. I've been to many funerals, and I've not had dinner with anyone yeah. after that. Yeah. Thomas is expressing his disbelief. He's struggling with it. And Jesus doesn't condemn him, but he shows him, hey, look at my hands, yeah. touch my side. Jesus welcomes that. He will meet us in those places. And so I think that's super, super cool that discouragement, that doesn't disqualify us. That's what makes no, us human. Absolutely. And Jesus meets us right in that. Yeah. So you've also recently published a book. Would you care to talk a little bit about that and maybe some of the, the heart behind it? Sure. Uh, so it's called Let's Get Real, Some Honest Questions and Answers About Christianity. And the, the book title sounds a little formal, uh, but I, I think that inside of it you'll find it's not that. Um, it's, it's, it's not very long. It's about 50 pages long. And uh, it's honestly just kind of a spiritual testimony for me. 
So it, it goes in kind of more of an allegorical sense and a, and a spiritual heart sense of the testimony that I just shared with you. And it kind of breaks down some of the conversations I've had with the Lord, uh, some of the scripture and different things I, I, I did believe and I do believe now. Talks about things how I, I struggled with doubt and how the Lord met me in the midst of that. It kind of talks about that struggle that I've had with Christians and Christianity. And then I think some of my favorite parts are it talks about who God is and who we are to Him. I think that those things, they're super hard to understand. And and what I try to do in, in this book is just give a real simple, a very clear uh, explanation as to how I've encountered Jesus. And then really, I'd say the purpose of the book is try, trying to walk out that spirit and truth, worshiping in spirit and truth, and, and trying to help people encounter Jesus. Because, you know, the goal is not for us to be teachers and, and for people to need us. The goal is to lead people to Jesus and for people to need Jesus. And, and I think that that's kind of the heart behind the heart behind my book. Awesome. Well, as we wrap up this section, it's clear that you just have a heartbeat for Jesus and to spread the, his love and truth to other people. Looking forward, what's your hope for the abode in the coming months and years? And if you had, you could just lay out your ideal dream of what it would look like moving forward. If you could just share those last couple of things. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. I'd say just this starting place world is kind of comes for me from First John four nineteen. When I when I first started this journey uh, with the Lord, or when I when I really started my journey with the Lord, this this scripture was kind of a bedrock for it. First John four nineteen says that we love because he first loved us. The whole idea behind the abode is to be a people that abide in Jesus. I think there's a lot of people that, that struggle because their vision their vision or their mission statement is doing something. And instead our vision and our mission is to abide in Jesus. And and from a place of being healed, from a place of being loved and known by the Lord we believe that we'll overflow. Like in John 4, uh, Jesus says we'll have springs welling up and overflowing inside of us, springs of living water. And so our our heart is to be that. And with that, uh, the, the picture that I get from God, long-term vision-wise, the picture that I get from God is is having little campfires of, of his presence all across the world. And you know if it's cold outside and there's a campfire, you're going to want to go and warm yourself by it. And, and the world we live in is rough. The, the hope and the desire and the image is that our house churches be campfires in the presence of God, of his kingdom, that people are just drawn to because it's where they get life. It's where they need Jesus. That, more down the road, I, I just I, I see this being a family that stretches across the world and it's full of different cultures, opinions, and colors, but it's all a people that's just taken by Jesus. Awesome. Well, Austin, thank you for your time. Thank you for your heart for the abode. It's an incredible environment. It's an incredible community. I look forward to this journey moving forward, getting to help host this podcast as I get to speak with other leaders from actually literally the world. You know, yeah. coming up, we'll be speaking with some of our other hosts and leaders in Dallas yeah. and in Africa. Yeah. And so this is literally already worldwide in its first two years. And it's just exciting and encouraging to see um, the heart of this and the possibilities moving forward. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Wow, wasn't that awesome? As I listen back to my time with Austin, it's so refreshing to hear 
how his Christian life has not just been a life following a steady plane of improvement upwards where everything's just getting better and better as time goes on, but rather there's a time of squiggle. It's not even just up and downs, but it's ups, downs, back and forth. When we realize that accepting Christ doesn't mean the end of all of our problems and just a life of ease, and we realize that it's a life of a squiggle, we are freed to truly draw closer to him as our old self is being put to death and we are finding life and freedom in Christ and in his love. It's awesome to hear about how Austin, he talks about that it wasn't him doing all these things, but it was God working in him. It was God pursuing him. It was God revealing himself to him through others. I've known Austin for probably 12 or 13 years now, and I can tell you it's so great and such an encouragement to see how he has grown in Christ over the years. It's a testimony of him and the life he is living in Christ, but it is even more a testimony of what God can do in people. Well, with that being said, we are at the final part of our podcast, and what I had planned to speak shortly about, I had all planned out, but then I heard Austin, and he wrapped up our interview mentioning this vision for the abode being like campfires across the world, which would draw people in, and as he mentions that, my mind started running. I started just hearing from God these three parts of what a campfire can do for a community. When we think of technology, we think of phones, gadgets, laptops, the recording of this podcast, and the way you're listening to it. But in fact, all technology is, is any scientific knowledge being put to use for practical purposes. The discovery of fire and of being able to start a fire has been one of the biggest technological advances in human history. If you can think of that, for all of human history, a simple fire has been one of the biggest technological advances we have ever made. And when I hear about the abode being a campfire, I think about how simple it is, but how practical it is, and three things in particular that we should be striving for as a community built as a campfire for Christ. First, a campfire is a welcoming presence. Think about this. Think about all the things that you can do with a campfire. It can provide warmth in the cold, and it can also be used to cook a hot meal. It's a welcoming presence when we, as the abode, have positioned ourselves as communities of campfires. We are a welcoming place for anybody to come in. We are a community which resembles the campfire and is one where people who are hurting feel welcomed and they feel comforted through times of pain and trial. It's one where people in need can come and they can receive. If we are a community of warmth and of warm meals and of hospitality, we are a campfire community that welcomes people in. Paul says in Romans 12 verses 11 through 13, he says, Never let the fire in your heart go out. Rather, keep it alive. Serve the Lord. You hope. When you hope, be joyful. When you suffer, be patient. When you pray, be faithful. But share with God's people who are in need and welcome others into your home. Never let that fire in your heart go out. Share with God's people. Welcome others into your home. That's the first part of being a campfire. It's being a welcoming presence. 
Secondly, a campfire gives light in the darkness, right? You will hear me continuously go back to the Sermon on the Mount as I talk and as I go into Scripture because I think it, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' central teaching to the life of a disciple. In Matthew 5, 14-16, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a basket, but they put it on a lampstand, and it gives lights to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We live in a dark and broken world. I don't have to tell you that. We know it. And our communities should stand out. When we as individuals live as a campfire community, we also stand out, both as a community collective, but also as individuals. Jesus says his followers should be known by the way we love others. Do our lives resemble one that is radically known for how we live? Is it radically known for how we love? Do we live lives that shine as different and changed in a world of darkness? A community of campfires gives light in the darkness. And finally, a campfire community is also a signal. The Great Wall of China was built long before telephones, before the internet, before social media. And so it was built to keep intruders out of China. Super interesting, though, that the way they communicated an invasion or an attack was the closest guard tower would light a fire and then the next ones out on either side would light a fire and the next ones out on either side would light a fire. See, the Chinese on the Great Wall of China would use these fires as a way to communicate, as a rally cry for their people. So not only should our communities be campfires which give warmth to those and our welcoming presence of hospitality. Not only should it shine in the darkness, but it should also shine and reach out to our brothers and our sisters. It should be an encouragement to other people. When Paul writes his second letter to Timothy, he tells him to rekindle this flame of faith, which was inside him that had been passed down from his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. Is our faith burning bright enough that it is being passed around to those around us, that it shines and uplifts our brothers and sisters in their faith walk? Dietrich Bonhoeffer was um, martyred for his faith in Germany during World War II by the Nazis, but he famously, he famously said in his classic Life Together that in some of our darkest times, we as brothers and sisters in Christ shine Christ into our brothers and sisters. That when we are going through our hardest times and we can't see a light at the end of the tunnel, that sometimes just seeing a brother or sister and that light that they bring is all that we need to actually see Christ. So let our campfires also be a signal, be a warming presence, a way of communicating and uplifting our brothers and sisters in Christ. So as we the abode form communities of campfires around the world to be completely honest we're here in houston we're in dallas we're in africa there's possibilities on the horizon for more expanding the kingdom of god as we live lives 
and communities of campfires. We are to shine in the darkness. We're to be a welcoming, hospitable presence, and we are to be an encouragement and a signal to our brothers and sisters. Let me close this in prayer. God, we thank you so much for the love you've shown us. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who died for us on this cross. God, we pray that that same love that you have shown us that we can show to others. God, we pray for the abode to be a community of campfires that is warm and welcoming, that shines as different in a dark world, God, and that is a community of upliftment to each other. As we try to navigate this community across three cities, two continents, two countries, God, we pray that we can uplift one another, that we can stay connected, that we can be on mission for you, God. I thank you for Austin and for his heart for you, God, for his testimony and the whole purpose the abode exists today is because of vision that you gave him. And so we thank you for his faithfulness in you and to you, God. And we thank you for your faithfulness towards Austin that he spoke about in his testimony. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, that was it. This is the first episode of the abode episode one is in the wraps i'm so excited to be able to do this with y'all friends brothers and sisters may the lord bless you and keep you may the lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you may the lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace go in the power of christ and in the power of his spirit continue to abide in him and have a blessed week